That's my boy over here, leading that music. I don't know where he got all that energy, but I would like to get some. If he could just bottle it up, I could use some of that stuff. I'm telling you, he, wow, he was, I'm telling you. Never was that way when I asked him to get up in the morning. Well, you know, sometimes the life changes for us and we may be between jobs. Maybe not you, but you see me have a hard time holding the job. Not really, but... So, one time I was going to be six weeks before I started the new ministry. And I wanted to fill that with income because back when I was pastoring, you didn't get paid a whole lot of money. You didn't go in for the money, that's for sure. At least not in the denomination I was in. And so I was looking through the paper and it, here it was. It says that the local zoo was looking for somebody to come in for six weeks. Perfect. So I figured whatever it is I could do. So I went down there and they said, well, here's what happened. Said our ape died and we just need somebody to dress up in an ape suit and sit in, the, in that area there and uh, just for six weeks. I said, well, I could do that. I know how to sit. And that's right up my alley, being an ape. So I, I said, I'd do it. I got the suit on. It fit, fit pretty doggone good. And uh, got sitting in there. And pretty soon I realized it was awfully boring just sitting here. So they had a tire swing. So, and the crowds really liked it when you went over to the tire swing. You know, hey, look at the ape suit. So I'd be swinging on it thinking... And, uh, and, you know, the higher I got, the, ooh, ah. So I really started pumping that baby. And I was going all over the place. And then all of a sudden, the rope broke. And I go flying, I end up in the lion's cage. I looked at that lion, and I thought, oh, dear. So I started running. That lion caught me in no time flat. Paul came across my mouth and said, shut up. You think you're the only pastor out of work? <laughs> That's not a true story. I wish it were a true story. It'd be kind of fun to tell that one. Well, this morning I want to talk to you. And the subject, it's, it's all about your attitude. And uh, I sent that sermon title to David. And he says, all about my attitude, what did I do? <laughs> no, it's all about our attitude, I should say. It's all about our attitude, because how we face things is important. When uh, David and Tiffany, they, they moved to Tennessee, and Tiffany, uh, her father, had a red pickup truck, and it uh, was sitting up at her grandparents' house, and, uh, and they weren't able to take it with her, but I knew that she wanted it, so I thought I'd be a good father-in-law. And I'd get that truck and we'd drive it out to where they are in Tennessee. They also left a bunch of stuff behind when they moved to Tennessee. So we got a trailer. And uh, so the, the truck, I, I had the truck painted. And I, and I told David, don't tell Tiffany because I, I want her to see this truck restored to beautiful. So uh, here's a picture of the truck. 
that looked nice. 1966 Chevy truck. I can't tell you how many times we stopped in. Somebody says, is that a 66 truck? I had one of those. And I, they must have made a bunch of them. But anyway, so here it was. This was the stuff, and that's the truck. And it was, it was a nice truck. We started to drive over Tennessee, and we're heading out I-84, and we got to a mountain slope, and all of a sudden the instructor, mm, mm, mm. I pulled over, and I thought, wow, this is, this is unbelievable. Couldn't be out of gas already. But I, I had gotten a couple five-gallon gas cans just in case. See, I'm smart. Well, I, I claim to be smart. So I took that gas can, and I started putting it in there about Three gallons into it, it starts shooting out the top of it. Pull it out and put the lid back on. I said, that's weird. So I got in and started up. It ran fine. Drove it. Went to the first gas station. I went in there and wanted to make sure it was full. It was full. So what in the world is going on here? Turns out that we could only go about 40 to 50 miles, depending on the terrain, before it would... Even though I had gas in the tank, it would just stop running. We're going to Tennessee from here. <laughs> Every 40 to 50 miles. You know how soon that is? Just, just get in there and get settled in. You're driving. Next thing you go, okay, where's the next gas station? Denise, fortunately, had a smartphone. And uh, she was looking up the next gas station. And we stopped between here and Tennessee every 40 to 50 miles, every 40 to 50 miles. And to make matters worse, we're going through Utah. And by the way, I never knew how many mountains there were between here and Tennessee. <laughs> but when you're pulling a trailer and you're going up the mountain, that thing just kind of bogs down. And the trucks were passing me. Oh, that's not good. And uh, there's a lot of hills between here and there. And then, then we started hearing this click, 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 click noise. I, that's not a good sound for an engine. And uh, so we got into Utah and pulled into this place. And I said, check it out. They said, well, you've you got a problem in there. You're going to have to either rebuild the engine or get a new engine in Utah. So we said, well, maybe can you do, can you start working? I said, well, we can start working on it, but here's what happens with older engines. We'll fix something, and something else will break because you got new parts in there, and the old parts can't handle the new parts. And I said, well, I understand that. So we ended up buying an engine and waiting for it to be put in. So we're in the hotel in Utah for extra days. We only had so many days to get back there and to get back here. So it's, it's not going well. It's not going well. So we got that fixed. We finally got to David's place in, well, the last part was <laughs> they put the new engine in. And when they put the new engine in, they got the brake line right next to the exhaust manifold. And it was rubbing on it every time you go... And it rubbed a hole in the gas line, I mean, the brake line. So when I go to stop, it's whoosh, whoosh. 
and we're doing 70 miles an hour on the freeway, and all of a sudden I don't have brakes, you know, that are working. So that was another whole mess. We'd, we had to get that fixed too. Now, why did I tell you all this? So you'll feel sorry for me? Well, that'd be nice, but no, that's not what I tell you. If you ask Denise about that trip, you know what she says? It was an adventure. That was a lot of fun. I'm thinking, you thought that was fun, huh? Stopping every 40 to 50 miles, no brakes. It was an adventure. It just shows you the difference of perspectives. She could have just been a complainer about the whole thing. Why did you have to do this and the whole? You know, you've been with people that are like that, right, Jim? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not touching that with a nine-foot pole. No way. Don't talk about wives in here now, buddy. So it's all about attitude. It's all about attitude. And here's the thing. If we have a positive attitude going through life, we have a whole lot less turmoil or we suffer a whole lot less from that turmoil. It's not like everything is great. I, you know, that, <laughs> that scripture in James says, count all joy, brethren, when you go into various trials. You know, and I never could understand that one. Because when I got a flat tire, I wasn't going, oh boy, a trial. Let me get that spur out because we're going to have a lot of fun. I got the joy, 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 joy down here. That's not, that isn't the way it works, folks. I'm just telling you. It says, count all joy when you have various trials. Not because of the trial. I finally figured that out. But because of what the trial will bring. And I found out in life that it's when we're tried that we seem to grow deeper. You know, the fire purifies. When they used to purify gold, they'd heat the gold all the way up till it was liquid. And all the droth, all the impurities would rise to the top. And then the person would carefully scoop off all the impurities out of the gold until he could see his face like a mirror in the gold. The trial, the fire, purifies. It brings us actually closer to the Lord. And I look back, and, and some of the deepest times in my life were when I was going through really tough trials. Because when things are going well, you don't have a hard time praising the Lord at all. You know, I drove the other day, and there was a parking spot. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Then that other guy drove in it. <laughs> and I knew I had to uh, quote scripture to get myself out of that one. So I said, get thee behind me, Satan. No, I... <laughs> No, I do. I do. It's how you face things changes your entire life. How you face things changes your entire life. Here's what the scriptures say to us. Let me go to this one. It is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Listen, we have scriptures. I know we do. I'm not as good as I used to be. 
I know we have scriptures. Hello. Hello. Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's even a song. You know that? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. So you don't know it. Or you couldn't name that tune in three notes. I don't know which one. It's a chorus. And actually, you can actually do it in rounds. But rejoice in the Lord always. It's very interesting. It says in the scripture, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him. It's not the torturer on the cross but it's what the, that torture on the cross would bring about, the atonement for us. So it says, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. That is an interesting thought. So even in songs we're trying to do the will of the Lord, we can always be at peace. See, what it... What does the, the Spirit bring to us? It brings the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it doesn't say fruits, by the way. A lot of people think they say fruits of the Spirit. That's not what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And what are the first three? Love, joy, peace. When you have the love of the Lord... He gives you joy, which brings peace, no matter what's going on. Love, joy, peace. Patience goes on with another whole list of things. The th here's the thing. You don't have the strength to do it in your own strength. At least I don't. But we're not relied on our own strength. Thank the Lord we don't have to rely on our own strength. It says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, not me, my ego. But Christ, who gives me the strength. I can do all things through Christ, who gives me the strength. It's Jesus that provides the power, provides the ability. He provides the peace, the joy. He provides everything we need to live according to his will. So it says, set your mind on things above. This is Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, Daniel said this morning, just kind of let everything fade away. And there's that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. And they do. When you got your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, when we put our hearts on him, then everything else doesn't matter as much. So if we're earthly minded, we've got all the entanglements of this world. If we're spiritually minded, we have another perspective altogether. So set your mind on things above. Let's get to Philippians uh, 
up there if we could. Philippians. Remember we said rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Let gentleness be known to all men. Let your gentleness be known to all men or to all people what that should be. The Lord is at hand. Interesting that Paul is writing this years and years ago. He says the Lord's here, almost here. He's at hand. That was a couple thousand years ago. So I'm not sure how close at hand is, but we're always supposed to be looking forward to his coming. And so what, what, do we, what does it ask us to rejoice, be gentle, and be anxious for nothing? And I have to admit, that's hard. I had to have some dental work done. And, yeah, David, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You ever had a root canal? Yes. That's a torture. You know, you are down there with, uh, seems like a horrible place to be in. And, and uh, anyway, so I had to go to the dentist. And every time I go to the dentist, there's pain involved. So the closer the date gets, the more anxious I become. I try not to be anxious. You know, Lord, it's in your hands. If he kills me, I'll be in your presence. What a way to go in the dentist chair. You know, I always, I always like it when they, they, they're drilling and they, they hit a nerve and you go, ah, and they go, oh, does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does it hurt? Why do you think I went down on the chair? He's following me down, you know. Hold still. I can't. It hurts. I'm dental work. It's, it's hard sometimes not to be anxious because what you, what you have feelings about. We have feelings. But the scripture says, don't be anxious about anything because it's all in the hands of the Lord. And if everything's in the hands of the Lord, you can relax. It's not up to you anymore. You don't have to carry all the burden of, of all those things that you think you have to carry a burden for because God will take them. It says in Philippians 2.5, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Jesus Christ has. You, you should have the same attitude towards one another that Jesus had. And how did he look at people? Remember the woman caught in adultery? They brought him before him and threw her down at the feet. By the way, the law required that both of the individuals caught in adultery be brought. Somehow the man got away with not being there, but they brought the woman. <clears throat> and by tradition in the law, the one with the highest spiritual standing, the rabbi, would be the first one to cast a stone. And they said, this one was caught in adultery. How did Jesus treat that person? Not with judgment, but with forgiveness. You know? And what do you say when he got all done? Go and sin no more. I've always wondered about that. Have you ever wondered about that in the scripture when it says, go and sin no more? I mean, isn't that kind of a tough thing? <laughs> go and sin no more. But you don't know my wife. You know, she causes me to sin. No, it's not your wife that causes you to sin. 
we, we, you know, we bought into this thing that we're to err is human. To sin is human. That's, that's how, we've, how we've done that theologically. We've said, you know, sin is part of our lives and will be a part of our lives to the day we die. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what God said. But there is somebody who did say that, but it wasn't God. Jesus said, go and sin no more. He, he gave a command. Peter says that the word says, be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. But we bought into the thing that we have to sin because we're just human. We're after all, we're just human. We excuse ourselves. Get the same attitude Jesus had. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind or attitude. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Uh, are, you, are you getting what Peter's saying here? Since Christ suffered for us in his flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind and attitude. What is that? Be done with sin. Don't let it just creep in. Don't just give in to it. Don't just say, well, <laughs> after all, I'm just human. Because we excuse ourselves in sin a lot of times. He has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of people or lust of men, but for the will of God. Change directions. No longer going to live for myself. I'm going to live for God. And it's not living for God in the sense that it's all upon your own power. It really means that you need to rely on his power. That's why you get into Romans chapter 7. I do what I don't want to do. And that which I hate, that's what I end up doing. The evil I hate, I end up doing. <clears throat> well, why is that? Because I've got a sinful nature. We all have a sinful nature. We carry that until we're resurrected or die. We have a sin nature. It, it's there all along. Galatians chapter 5 says that, they, that our spirit nature wrestles against that flesh nature, that carnal nature. And unfortunately, carnal nature wins most of the time because we feed it more. You know, we had two twins in the church. They were 16 and they were, man, they were good, powerful guys. And I said, if I was to take these two twins and one of them I was to put on a regiment of exercise and good diet and everything else, and then when I locked into a dark room and only gave them water, and 30 days later I brought them out to wrestle, who would win? The one who has been feeding on the things that bring power. The one who's been exercising the muscles that give strength. Those who feed their mind with the things of God and the things of the word of God will grow spiritually strong. The ones who don't grow spiritually weak. Remember that G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out? That's probably one of my generation. 
For all you young people, <laughs> when I was young, they'd say, G-I-G-L, garbage in, garbage out. But it's true. If that's all you put in there, guess what you end up doing? If you don't think so, think about this. It's the real thing. That, that was 30 years ago, probably. And I bet you most people know what it goes to. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. That's probably 45 years ago. And there's people here who know exactly what that goes to. You don't think that you're influenced by things? When it's over and over and over, where's the beef? You'd be amazed what gets into you. If you're putting in the word of God over and over again, guess what comes out? I remember I was playing baseball. I was about 18, 19, something like that. And uh, I was really into the word all the time. And a guy took off from first, sold second. And I said, thou shalt not steal. <laughs> Came right on out. Of course, they can steal legally in a baseball game, but, you know, it's just part of who you are. It's what you are. What comes in will come out. If you want to have victory, you need to feed yourself on the Word of God. Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may be able to grow. And when you grow, you move into meat, into deeper things in the Word. But it's all about your attitude. It's about what you want to do. Do you really want to please God? Is your attitude that of Christ? Want to do the will of God? Remember in John... They came to Jesus and said, the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who is in heaven. And the works that I do are not my own, but my Father in heaven. I'm here to do the will of the Father. In the garden he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Always following the will of the Father. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercy of God, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your carnal nature, your your fleshly body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing, or that word actually means exchanging, by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How do you know that? Because you have the mind of Christ. How do you get the mind of Christ? You have to become a Christian. You have to ask God to lead and guide you, direct you. For those who live according to their flesh or carnal natures set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For who has known the mind of God that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Jesus provides us with his mind so that we begin to think God's thoughts after him as he gives us inspiration, as he gives us revelation, as we begin to move in those things. 
And that changes attitude. It changes your attitude. When I was a kid, it was very obvious to me. When I went to camp one summer, we got on the bus. There, you know, 40, we must have been young high school students. And there was one lady on the bus who must have been sitting on a pine cone because she was not your friendly looking type. She was, she came to make sure that we didn't have any fun. Because you know that idle hands are the devil's playground. And she was there to make sure that we didn't get out of line, you know, no, no foolish jesting. I was a fool and I jested, so I guess I was doing foolish jesting. But she was there and she was not happy. Then another counselor on the bus had a guitar and she pulled out, she said, let's sing together. And she was just happy. And, and guess which ones the kids surrounded? It wasn't the pine cone lady. Because we're drawn to somebody who has a positive, encouraging, helpful, inspiring personality. You can't help yourself. When people smile at you, and I've done this before, I just start smiling. And pretty soon the person's uncomfortable enough, they smile back. They don't know what else to do. You're smiling, so I guess I'm going to smile. It, it happens because being positive, being encouraging, People are drawn to that. Jesus was an encourager. He encouraged people. And that comes from a positive mental attitude. I'm not talking about a self-help book. I'm talking about that which comes from Jesus Christ. That comes from the Spirit of God. Love and joy. Why, why would you go into a church that everybody looks like they just lost their best friend? Amazing grace that saved a wretch like you. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. I've, or if you come in and people are bubbly and they're happy and they're expressing love for one another, care, nurture, that's much easier, much more drawn to that kind of a thing. It's about attitude. What attitude did Jesus have? I think he smiled far more than he frowned. Now, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious order, those who were hypocritical, he called them whited sepulchers, you bunch of whitewashed graves. He wasn't very kind to them. He was rebuking them. But what did, what did he do to the people that were hurting. He says, they need a physician. You know? The ones that need the most are the most thankful when they receive forgiveness. And you know that you carry with you, you have within you, it, it, here's what the scripture says, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your body becomes the temple of God. That means he dwells in you. Your, your body is the actual temple of God. And you, and you won't believe it. Well, you, I should, why do you say something stupid like that? Of course you're going to believe it because I'm telling you. <laughs> no. Uh, 
you can bring blessing to people. And I had, I had a friend one time, I had a friend, and uh, he had a business. And I would go over and visit him every so often. I'd come in the door and I said, how's it going? He says, it's terrible. Nobody's calling. Just, I've been here, business is bad. Just pray for me, would you? I pray for him. Next thing you know, the phone's ringing. And it rings and it rings and it rings. Not because of me, but because God brings blessing. And he uses us to bring blessing. There's a famous hymn, Make me a blessing. You know you can be a blessing to people? You absolutely can be a blessing to people. He used to call up, hey Dave, business is bad, come on over. <laughs> so it's not exactly like you have the, you know, you command God. But you bring blessings. You bring blessings. You bring blessing if you're willing to be obedient to the will of God. What do you think God's will is for you? To bring condemnation or bring love? Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now look, the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It's not your job to condemn. It's your job to bring blessing and life and light. Be a light. Be children of the light. Bring a blessing to people. That's what you want to do. It's all about your attitude. If you've got a lousy attitude, it's not very pleasing. It's not very good. If you have an attitude because who's in charge? God's in charge. And I'm a child of the king. We forget that sometimes. Now I belong to Jesus. And Jesus belongs to me. Now we're living a life in which God wants to be made manifest through you. So let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good things that you do and glorify your Father that's in heaven. Because what you do is reflect God, not yourself. It's like the moon. The moon has no light of its own. If the sun goes out, the moon goes out, by the way, because it doesn't have any light. But what does it do? It reflects the light. That's what we are. We're all, we're all little moons. We reflect the light of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. When somebody runs into us, they run into the light of Jesus, or they should, if we'll let her. Remember that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush? Oh, no. No, you don't want to hide your light. Let it shine. You may be the only Jesus that somebody sees. You may be the only words of life that they'll ever read. So let them see in you the one in who has everything they need. Your attitude. You, are you a Christian? Then let it show. Let it get to the face muscles. <laughs> I, people would sing, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm saved. 
I am so thankful I am saved. Wait a minute. I'm so glad. There you go. Your face is giving a different message in the song. We got problems. I'm so happy, and here's the reason why I get to go to church today. Sit in the pew and listen to the boring pastor. I'm so glad today. If you have the right attitude, everything changes. The things that would be trouble become an adventure. An adventure. Why? Because of the attitude Christ has given us. Let this be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The attitude of love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Let God shine through you. I'm not asking for you to shine through. I'm asking you to let God shine through. He will do it. He's put a light into us. He's the light of the world. And, he, and we become that light. We don't even have to produce it ourselves. This is what I love. I love that we get to give what God gives us. We don't, I don't have to pay it out of my own. He fills us with so much love, it splashes out. Or you should be filled with so much love that you can't help, you can't hold it in. It flows like rivers of life coming out of you. It should splash on all those around you. God loves you so much, you can't contain it. And it, goes, it splashes on those around you. God produces it all. You know, I, I've prayed for things, and, and uh, I never pray for my will to be done. I have a will. I mean, somebody says, would you pray for such and such? I want to pray what they ask for directly. But more than once, God has stopped me. He says, don't you tell me what to do and don't tell me what you want to do. Just bring it before me. He says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Grandma came into the church and my young son was on the, grandson was on the back of a pickup like, young boys do, teenager. And they're going up a hill and he fell out and he hit his head and he's in a coma. Been in a coma for three weeks, almost lost him several times. But we've heard that <clears throat> if their family or close members can talk to them, they can oftentimes hear that it may help and recover. So would you please pray, this was a request, would you please pray that the hospital release him? We've already hired an air ambulance to bring him down here so would you please pray that they will do that? And I went to pray this early on when I was younger. I went to pray and God said, don't tell me what to do. I said, Lord, you know the situation, right? That's true. You know the situation. Praying for this grandmother's request that you hear her cry, that you will answer this prayer in your will, in your way. Amen. That was 6 o'clock on a Sunday night. We actually had Sunday night services back in the old days. We actually went to church three times a week. Sunday morning, well, 
if you count Sunday school, twice on Sunday morning, once on Sunday evening. And if you're in the youth group, it was Sunday school, church, youth group, and church. Four times. I think I'm not a fanatic. And then on Wednesday, we came back for good measure. That's the way the church used to be. Well, anyway, Sunday night we were praying. And the next morning, I'm not an early riser. Some of you already know this. I don't do well in the morning. I, 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 can, I can wake up. I can get up, as I do. But till about 9 o'clock, the light doesn't turn on. <laughs> Nobody's home. And I got a call about 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. It's this grandmother. She says, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, you won't believe what happened. I'm still of what happened. She said, last night when you were praying, my grandson came out of a coma. And the first, first words he uttered was, I need to call my grandma. And turned out that he'd come out of that coma. He had a, what did they put down your throat? They had one of those things down your throat. And, they, and if you've been in there for three weeks, you lose your gag mechanism. You, you, you medical people know what I'm talking about. So he couldn't eat any food, but he was, he was a, a totally awakened life. And he kept saying, I, I'm, I'm hungry, he big kid. And they said, okay, you can have some jello. He ate the jello with no problem. Next thing you know, he's eating soup. Next thing you know, he's eating. There was a Sunday night, Tuesday morning, he was on a plane home, totally healed. Why? Because God wanted to do that. And that began a whole lot of other miracles that began to happen. May I tell you something? All I did was be obedient to God. I had no power, none whatsoever. I don't claim any power, none whatsoever. But I know who has the power. And we can be a blessing to people. We don't even have to provide the works. <clears throat> it says, where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of doing good works, which he has already planned in advance for us to do. God has a plan for your life as a Christian. All you have to do is be obedient. Let it happen. Let go and let God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then he's going to direct your paths. He directs our paths. He will. He'll put it on your heart to do something. I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard. Somebody said, you were on my heart, so I prayed. And this is what happened. Because of that, because God put it on their heart to pray. Just be obedient. Just let go and let God. See, God has all the power there is. He has everything. So get excited. Get all excited. Go tell everybody. We should be excited about the God we serve. We should be excited. We should be full of joy. And we should let that splash on others. To know Jesus is to have a life that has purpose and meaning. Doesn't mean there won't be trials and tribulations. There will be. But you can go through them with joy. And joy is not the same thing as happiness, by the way. Joy is much deeper than that. Have the right attitude and everything changes. Have the right attitude and everything changes. You don't start out the day going, oh, what a drudgery this day is going to be. We start out the day by saying, Lord, what do you got in mind today? If you, you'll begin to look forward 
for God to use you. How are you going to use me today? Because those who will sign up, those who will write on the card there, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. They're the ones to get the call. They're the ones who God uses because they're, they're waiting in line. I, I'm next, Lord. Just use me. Use me. And if our attitude's right, our heart's right, God will use you. He's got, he's got it all ready for you. I remember one day, and I'll close with this. You know what it means when the pastor says he's going to close? Any more minutes. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've cut it back to 15. But I'll tell you how hard it is. We're all supposed to be evangelists. You know, we're supposed to have, be able to give for the hope that lies within us, give an answer for the hope that lies within us. So it doesn't mean that you're, you have the gift of evangelism, but we're all supposed to be ready when God prepares the hearts of people, and he does prepare hearts. So when, when I got to this church in Orange, there, was, there were 15 people there, big church. Of course, when I came to candidate, there was 40 they had brought everybody in the world that they could think of to the church, so I think it was bigger than I was. It didn't matter. God wanted me there, and I went there. But the first thing I did was I walked around the property. Started right at the corner of the property, and I started praying, Lord, this is your place. I dedicate it unto you. I ask that you bless it. I ask that every person that comes on here will receive blessing, and I walked the entire property. That was when I first got there. Some maybe six months, maybe a year later, I don't know how long it was, I got a knock at the door. We lived in the parsonage right on the property. Got a knock on the door, and the guy says, are you the pastor? I said, who wants to know? No, I didn't, no, I didn't, say, I didn't say that. I said, yes. Uh, he says, well, the Lord told me to come and tell you what just happened to me. Oh, this is interesting. What happened? He says, well, as I was walking down the sidewalk and I touched the street, the sidewalk in front of the church. God spoke to my heart and I knelt down and I repented of my life, the life that I was living, and I asked Jesus to become Lord of my life. I said, huh. I kind of closed my jaw because I'm, I said, man, that was the hardest one I led to Christ ever. I didn't do anything. I mean, I prayed, but I didn't do anything. God already is work. God is already at work. We just get to be able to see the results of it. If we're just obedient, if we just love the Lord of God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, he will do. If not you, somebody else. That's the way it works. So I'm here to encourage you. Get ready to let go and watch God. Watch God work in your life. It works. I just, I'll tell you, I know it works. I could tell you story after story after story. That's why it take 15 minutes, but I'm not going to. It's your attitude. Is your attitude, I love you, Lord. I want what you want in my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated to you. I give you my life. That's a, giving a full dedication to the Lord. 
fully dedicated your life to the Lord. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll trust in you. And then hang on. Hang on. Because you're going to be surprised. He will have you doing things that you never thought were possible. I could tell you stories about that too, but I'm not going to. I'm going to resist the temptation. And we're going to pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are. We pray that you will give us the attitude of Jesus Christ. We pray that you will quicken our hearts to want to desire to have you in control, to have you lead, to have you guide, to have you empower, to have you inspire us to do the things that you already have in mind for us to do, to be able to enjoy the work of God because we're obedient, because we love you, because we're dedicated, because we're ready. Here am I. Send me, as the scripture says. I want the power of Jesus Christ be given to others. I don't want power for myself. I want others to experience the power of God. I want them to experience the restoration, the forgiveness, the healing. I want them to experience life more abundant. I want them to be able to experience your love, kindness, generous, your grace beyond all measure. Let me be one of those lights. I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and my Savior. Amen.